The Holy Gospel according to John, the fourth chapter. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will come in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me 
and to complete his work. Do you not say, four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world, the Gospel of the Lord. In an effort to learn more about compassionate communication and how to become a better listener, a 28-year-old California man by the name of Orly Israel has been organizing what he calls the listening table. Have you heard of it, anybody? It works like this. Each weekend, somewhere outdoors in Los Angeles, he sets up a gray plastic folding table with a few folding chairs, one for him and the others for guests. Two handwritten yellow poster board signs hang from the tabletop by what looks to be packing tape. One reads, here to listen, and the other, no judgment, no advice, no charge. Anyone can sit down and pour out their heart, and there will be exactly as promised, no judgment made, no advice given, and no charge billed. Some people talk for five minutes, others for 50 or more, and Orly listens. He just listens for as long as the person talks, and while he listens, he doesn't formulate a response or give consideration to what he might say, nor does he interrupt ever. And what's more, when the person is finished, he does not offer any reassurance or tell what to do to make the situation better or suggest that the situation isn't really as bad as it seems or share a personal story that is similar or worse. Orly explained, and I quote, the listening table is a place where people can experience what it feels like to really be listened to, which is a rarer thing than it should be, end quote. Indeed, it is no secret that technology has done us few favors when it comes to the art of listening. I remember attending a class at the seminary a number of years ago. The lecture hall was filled with students and pastors. During this week-long 40-hour class, the professor was walking us through the Bible, beginning at Genesis, concluding in Revelation. On the first day, 
I couldn't help but notice that I and the other pastors in attendance were among the very few without laptops, which is how most of the students accessed the Bible and took their notes. No judgment here. But it was difficult also not to notice that while the professor was lecturing, students were off and on social media and email. The phenomenon of our devices distracting all of us has only grown since then. It has been said, you cannot listen to the word another is speaking if you are preoccupied. Psychologist Carl Rogers said, we think we listen, but very rarely do we listen with real understanding, true empathy. Yet listening, he continues, of this very special kind is one of the most important and potent forces for change that I know. And change is exactly what is at the very heart and center of the listening table. Orly hopes that not only will he learn how to become a better listener, but for those who come to the table and experience what it is like to truly be listened to, it is hoped that they would become better listeners themselves. This project has been going on for over a year now. To date, he has held over 88 listening tables and he has no plans to stop. When asked what he has learned from his project, he explained, I learned you really don't know what people are going through and that people are willing to share personal things you wouldn't imagine and that what stops people from sharing is a fear of being judged and not actually being listened to. This project speaks beautifully to what author Donald Miller wrote, which is printed on the back of your worship folder. He said, I have sometimes wondered if the greatest desire of man is to be known and loved anyway. Right? Isn't that how it is? Sometimes it feels like we never really left the school lunch table where we struggled so to fit in and to belong and to be accepted. Uncertain and insecure, we tried on different behavior patterns and experimented with different ways to be cool, all in an attempt to both be seen and loved. The question we all seem to ask at some point in our lives is, can I be known for who I am with all of my uniqueness and shortcomings, with my way of seeing the world and experience it, and with my past, including things I have said and done of which I am not proud? Can I be my most authentic self and still be loved? Which brings us to the gospel reading for today. Spoiler alert, the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, you can, and yes, you are. 
The exchange between Jesus and the Samaritan woman is the longest recorded conversation in the Gospels. Of all of the interactions Jesus had with people that this one gets so much attention, sets it apart from all the others. As you heard, it's a rich and complex reading, which means one sermon couldn't possibly cover it all. So for today, let's turn our attention to verse 16 when Jesus directs the woman, go call your husband and then come back. It's an abrupt shift in the exchange that we're talking about living water one moment and the very next, Jesus is suggesting this. Knowing what comes next, knowing the situation this woman finds herself, that is, with regard to a husband, it's difficult not to wonder. Did she evaluate how she would respond to Jesus' direction? Did she consider leaving under the pretense of getting her husband and then not returning? Did she take a deep breath before she spoke her truth? The Bible doesn't say, but we do know that she replied, I have no husband. And that's when Jesus filled in everything that she left out. He said, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. In that moment, this woman, who had a story to tell and maybe one to hide as well, was, well, what shall we say? She was found out exposed? I suppose that choice of words is fear speaking, really. It comes from the fear of being judged and maybe from the fear of humiliation. The reader can almost feel a sense of embarrassment for her. But note, Jesus makes no value statement about her situation. He passes no judgment. There is no shaming. When Jesus says, you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband, he is simply naming what is. How she came to have five husbands, how the one she is with now is not her husband, of this, the Bible offers no explanation. And importantly, why and how this all might be seems of no concern whatsoever to Jesus. So this exchange is not about this woman being found out or exposed, but rather it is a beautiful witness to what it is to be known both inside and out and accepted and loved anyway. And isn't that Exactly what we all long for as well. People like her, people like us, often live in fear of being exposed for who we are or of others finding out the not-so-shiny details of our lives. Hear this good news. Jesus knows you, all about you, and loves you just the same. Before I conclude, 
Last night after church, my daughter, who had just worshipped, shared this quote with me, and I want to share it with you. Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. I love how this story concludes. The Samaritan woman left her water jug at the well and she returned home announcing, come and see a man who told me everything I have done. Come and see, she called out to anyone who would listen. And the Bible tells us that because of her testimony, many believed in Jesus. Because of the witness of this nameless Samaritan woman, many came to faith. Imagine that. This woman was seen and known, and she was accepted and loved by Jesus. And in response, her witness changed the lives of others. May it be so with you. Amen.